just baseball show today is monday the 24th yeah the 24th we're recording on this friday because we just wrapped up a wonderful conversation with codify founder michael fisher jack mcmullen arm layton here you want to just run through the names of people that codify advises currently at the big league level that's public he said you got probably like another half the rolodex that, that's private there the names yeah. are not out there I, it's funny because you go to the website, if you go to codifybaseball.com, you have all of the, the names. So it's like Shane Bieber, you've got Kevin Gosman, you've got Sean Manaya, Logan Webb. It goes on and on, Blake Trinan, all of those guys. A lot of those guys we talk about on the episode, but there's one little question mark in the middle at the bottom. It says private. Initially, I thought that was just one person, just one person that wanted to be private. But what you're saying is actually like, no, there's about... 50% of that list, like there's 50% more of just people that, that don't want to be identified. Uh, but Lance McCullers as well, Shane Boz, like this is sick, dude. It was an unreal conversation. Uh, just talking about the way he got to where he is, but also his approach, his, his holistic approach to each player. This was, this was a blast, man. You know, he was, he was a former financial analyst that always had baseball as a passion project and he always loved it. He said he was a lifelong Oakland A's fan. We get into that uh, in the podcast and all of a sudden this turned into something that he can do as a full-time gig. And you look at some of the turnarounds these guys have had and some of the, the corners they've turned recently. You just mentioned a lot of these names. I mean, I'm rolling through right now and we're looking at Liam Hendricks said that Hendricks was one of the early adopters and all of a sudden he becomes the best closer in the game. You look at Shane Bieber, who's like arguably one of the most talented pitchers on planet earth. And then you get to a guy like Kevin Gosman, who was having an identity crisis. And then now he's got a nine figure deal in his pocket. And you look at Shane Boz, who we are so excited to see Logan Webb, we think can be a top 10 pitcher in baseball this year. He's on this list. And then you look at Frankie Montas, who has been a massive point of conversation for us. There are so many guys on this list. And if you want to see the full list of public names, go to codifybaseball.com again. There are so many massive names on here, likely on your favorite team, because he said that he has guys on all 30 major league rosters right now that he works with. They are being helped by this guy. <laughs> and this he is really good at his thing because the track record is proving so. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, Lucas Giolito, too, is one of the main you know, first guys that, that really came across with him and saw the results. And the proof's in the results. And I think that's why you're seeing these players line up and these players all want to join or at least get some help from him. And, and this is just the tip of the iceberg because, like you said, he hears from so many different players all the time. Some just want a little bit of instruction. Some want to talk to him every single day. Uh, it's just absolutely – would you say this is like the American dream right here? Like he's living so. the American dream. He's a guy that loved baseball and found a way to not only make money in baseball, but to be the right-hand man for some of the biggest names in the sport. 
a tip of the cap uh, to my man, Michael Fisher, because this is just absolutely absurd. Let's waste no more time. Here he is. Michael Fisher is the founder of Codify Baseball. Jack McMullen, Aram Layton here. And Michael, first of all, thank you so much for, for getting up with us. You're on the West Coast. Aram's on the East Coast. I'm in the Midwest right now, so it's 11 a.m., 10 a.m., and 8 a.m. for you. So you got the short end of the stick. Um, <laughs> how are you getting through the lockout right now? Uh, it's actually been busier. Huh. Uh, you know, uh, if a player wants to go look up some info on uh, their team website, guess how that goes? You're locked out. <laughs> Uh, if they want to talk about, you know, arm angles or release points or anything, it's like, well, they can't really talk to anybody with the teams now. So it's been busier and they don't like that feeling of being shut out of, of resources. So it's, it's probably not probably definitely helped me. Uh, not much of an off season though. Uh, mm. So the wife isn't thrilled. I understand. Uh, and yeah. obviously no headshots on the team site that they can go to and see their mug. So <laughs> um, hey, real if, quick, before we get the ball rolling here, codify in simple terms as simple as it can be because obviously you got your start in, in financial analysis to start mm -hmm. you, you then fully transition to baseball the gist of codify is what in your words that's a good question um codify is kind of bridging the gap there between um the sources of analytics players have uh you know when they get information that they use it might be coming second or third or fourth or fifth hand they don't have uh, typically the ability to ask questions about you know, what is this? Where did it come from? Why the hell are we looking at this? Yeah. Why am I looking at average slugging on balls in play when I threw 10 pitches to this guy and he only hit one of them? Yeah. Where did the other nine show up in this? You're telling me not to throw this pitch. And I like all the stuff like that. Um, you see, I'm avoiding trying to put uh, a really tight dictionary answer on it, but codify uh, I think has uh, succeeded and evolved by, by evolving and fitting whatever that is. And every guy has a different need. Yeah. Uh, the team stuff's cookie cutter. That's fine. I, it's just like banking on the banking side. You, you can't custom fit to every customer, right. but guess what? Uh, we can uh, custom fit to each pitcher. And they're, you know, that's what we're doing. Every guy's different. And we're, we're acknowledging that in everything we do. I just pointed at Jack because we were just talking off the air before, and, and that was exactly a point that uh, that we, we, we came to before we started recording, before you hopped in here, was just it's so cookie cutter for certain teams. They have their philosophy, and that works right. for them because they'll identify the candidates, right, that they think will fit that, that cookie cut system that they have. But guess what? Sometimes those guys end up being a little bit different than you thought, and once right. they get in there, now they're suffering because they're trying to be – told to be something that they're not right. Like you're, you're telling a, a leopard to be a zebra basically, and it's just not going to work. Uh, so that's why it's really fascinating on your individual approach. And, and what's really interesting about this to me is that it, you talk about how it makes it different from what everybody else is able to get from their teams, because teams put a lot of money into this kind of thing, but it's just not as individualized. Okay. How do you have the time in the day? Because this is, this is your thing. I'm sure. And I'm sure you've built out a staff as codify has gotten more successful, but how do you have the time to, to help all of these players? Because there's a list on codifybaseball.com. It's just pictures of all of the faces of, of the players that you've worked with. And it's, it's a lot. I didn't count them, but it's a decent amount. Uh, how do you manage the time to give each player their time a day? Yeah, actually on that site, there are no private clients showing. There's, there's players who don't want their teams to know they're working with me. So um, tack another 50% onto that. Uh, anyhow, uh, but to answer your question, um, this is five or 
five plus years of evolution, um, starting out with the first guy, Dan Straley, and trying to make maps and realizing the first ones sucked. But they were better than the team ones and just evolving that and and learning how to tackle that question you're answering. How the hell do I service 60, 70, 80, whatever guys when you don't know when the phone's going to ring? Right. It's it's tough. Um, during games, don't get a lot of phone calls because it's illegal. So it's actually quietest during the games. And uh, each guy kind of has their own little ritual of when they want to chat. So um I know, let's say Liam Hendricks. I know what Liam wants. I know when he wants it. I know when he's going to want to talk about anything after the fact. And it just kind of fits fits it all together like a big, uh, it's kind of kind of like Jenga, I guess. Um, and yeah, there. sometimes I take a guy on and he's like, I want to call you after every inning or every pitch or every, no, we're, we, have, we can't, really, can't, can't really do that. And you shouldn't be doing that. But um it hasn't been a problem yet, believe it or not. Uh, if you had asked me that question at the start, hey, can you take on another 50 or 60 guys and service them? I'm like, e probably, probably not. But it's worked out fine and um, haven't had any head bumping at all, really. I'm sure your iCal or your Google Calendar is just like constantly blocked off. It's probably it, like 30 minute increments. It's in flux, yeah. Yeah. But that, totally those guys, agree. but they, they don't, um, in the off season, it's been like that. But during the season, it's just on the fly. I mean, the phone will just buzz and it's a lot of texting. It's not a lot of phone calls. They don't like to call from the locker rooms and stuff. But there's a lot of, hey, I'm going to use the slider twice as much today. You, you with me? And you talk that kind of stuff, just on the fly. Yeah. So what does that communication look like? Because I, I was reading a, a great article from Sox on 35th and being a, a native Chicagoan, no, you talked to them recently. Mm -hmm. um, you, you kind of explain the onboarding process for a new pitcher and you'll get acclimated with them. You'll answer any questions that they need to be answered, because obviously this is a guy who is on the precipice of signing a multi, multi-million dollar deal. He right. needs to have trust in everybody that he interacts with. So he's got to have trust in you. How do you build that trust and say, listen, we're going to tailor your arsenal. <laughs> we are going to tailor you to get you your $100 million deal like Kevin Gosman in the top right of your website right, right now. Right. Right. The answer has changed uh, over time. Obviously, the second guy I had, that was a different thing. Like, okay, great that it worked with Dan Straley, but where's the track record? It's nice. He throws 91, but I'm Blake Trinan. Is it going to work with my turbo sinker and my slider and my all that stuff? Um, now it's, wait, you just made Kevin Gosman, which I didn't, by the way. But perception is you just made Kevin Gosman a nine-figure contract. He didn't throw any faster. He didn't, his splitter didn't split more. But gee, he knows how to mix pitches a little better and knows where to use it a little better. And um, so a lot of that hurdle that you're talking about exists for everybody, but it's been, it's, it's almost like they've answered it before they call a lot of times. Like, I already trust that you know what you're, do you're doing. You've been vetted. Right. Not, not everybody. Um, I don't cold call anyone. The, the doors open and I try to get guys to come to me. So it's, it's different. If I was cold calling, that would be a real, real big problem to, to try to convince everybody. So I don't, I have just chosen not to try to do that. Um, but I answer questions that we look, we pull up their maps for in that first meeting and look at some stuff. And there's always something in there that, that is surprising. And so we talk about like, why am I saying you should use your slider backdoor? Yeah. You don't, you don't ever use it. So how would I know it would be good? And we talk about that, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And uh, sometimes if a guy's all in, he'll go use it a couple times. And I mean, we're rolling dice, but so, you know, often it works and okay. There's no, there's no questioning past that point. It's really interesting, you know, cause I, something that I've noticed and, and something I was reading from some of the things that you've said in, in other interviews is just 
it, sometimes it's as simple as just throwing your better pitch more and the pitches that aren't effective less. And it's, was it almost surprising to you how often uh, pitchers maybe don't even realize that they're not doing that? <laughs> like, it, it's hard to boil it down to such a simple question, but it seems like sometimes pitchers are just not throwing the pitches that work better for them more and vice versa. But both ways, absolutely. Um, the teams are really pressuring players to rely on their primary and secondary pitches a lot in general, which is interesting. Um, and often right, by the way, but often wrong. There are a lot of guys that have a third or fourth pitch that they don't trust uh, because it's not elite. It's an average or a little bit below average pitch. But damn, if you throw it 10 percent of the time uh, from the hitter's perspective, it changes every it changes everything. Um you know, Giolito, uh, fastball change it, fastball change it for a long time. And uh, we talk, we've talked a lot over the years about his slider usage. And you see he started to use it a lot more in the second half and just was lights out. What do you do as a hitter when you have that optimal when, – when you're facing an optimal mix with any of these guys, if they have three weapons to use against you, you're in a lot of trouble. Other guys, for sure, why the hell are you throwing more than two pitches? It doesn't happen a lot, but, but sometimes uh, the intel is screaming – just, you know what, let's work on that third pitch in the off season. Please, yeah, just, please, just please don't throw thing. it. Yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot with curveballs. The guys have, um, you know, uh, they care a lot about getting ambushed on the first pitch and it's kind of got cool to throw curveballs on the first pitch. And uh, that didn't work out so well for a lot of guys. So uh, it happens, it happens the way you say uh, uh, a fair amount, but it's usually the other way of encouraging them to throw a few more pitches and just show something. Lance McCullers. Yeah, uh, you don't see a lot of four seamers, but but if you were batting against Lance McCullers and you're worrying about the slider and the sinker and the curveball, you don't want to see a four seamer. As soon as it gets up here, you're screwed. And now, right? and now you're like, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. he's going to throw me four seamers up there? I'm yeah. So um, I definitely encourage him as an example. Throw some, just throw, throw five four seamers. Now, now he's an interesting bo- uh, guy because he's like, I, you know, it's a challenge to throw five pitches in a game of one type because you know you don't get into that rhythm um so some guys aren't you know it doesn't work so well for some guys but other other guys are just if you're in the batter's head and they know they can't guess and they have to read well they're you know it's it's a totally different ball game i want to get back into some of the individual examples here but we at just baseball love working in chronological order so naturally 12 minutes into the interview we're going to go back to the beginning um (laughs) how did this become your passion Oh, gosh. I, I mean, baseball has been my passion forever to, to begin with. I had season tickets when I was a little kid for the A's, you know, seven years old, taking BART into the game. I don't know why my parents let me do that, but they did. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, so I've loved baseball forever. But to get into the game, it's just not reasonable. I mean, you you um, if you look back 10, 9, 10 years ago, you know, it's all Ivy Leaguers there. You know, you meet some guy who went to Brown and Yale and he's he's the four string video guy. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not getting into this. And even if I do, you know, it's going to be an internship and I need to pay my, you know, I need to support my family. Never even thought about it. Never even thought about it. Um, but once I started working with Straley and that worked for a year and uh, people started noticing he's waving this stuff around. What the heck, what are you looking at? You know, and how come you're getting guys out with 90 mile an hour fastballs? And, uh, you know, I mean, these guys aren't in it for very long and they want to know this could help me, uh, you know, I might be selling shoes next year. I, I could be one pitch away from the end of my career. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, it was just a snowball after that. As far as passion, that was the easy part because I love baseball. Banking, uh, the banking stuff, I'm good at the analytics there. I'm good at that, but it's it's not fulfilling to make some some faceless entity more more money. You yeah. know, I'd rather much rather do this. Hopefully, till I'm done working. Totally understand that. I had a, I had a friend growing up, and I'll I'll leave the organization out of it. But Stanford graduate, you know, I think like a three seven three eight GPA, and he was making eight dollars an hour as yep. an intern in an MLB <clears throat> front office. Stanford yep. graduate doing that stuff. I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. So so starting in something else, following this passion, and then you right. you have that breakthrough with Dan Straley, then you have that second breakthrough with Blake Trinan. Um, and then it was all systems go from there. How quickly did it pick up after that? Uh, pretty quickly. Uh, added Sean Doolittle that year as well. And he had an all-star year. Um, Tommy Malone was throwing, you know, underhand and getting guys out somehow. And <clears throat> those four guys kind of carried that year. It got into the next year and then it started to be like, wait a second. You know, I haven't really pursued growing this. It's just growing organically. And the future me is going to kick my ass if I don't make this, try to make this work. If it doesn't work, fine, go back to what you're doing. That's fine. But you have, sometimes in life, like you just have to try. Yeah. You just have to try it's sitting right there. And that's that's what I chose to do. Um, the COVID thing, of course, hit right as I made that decision. And we're like, great, let's jump all into baseball. And then they don't play, yeah. which means literally zero income. <laughs> um, certainly some hurdles there. Um, but the growth has been exponential. If you look at those guys on that, uh, on that banner, it's insane. It's um, insane. Giolito comes on, throws no hitter. You know, Liam, Liam Hendricks calls me from Japan. Uh, see, I'm sitting next to Blake Trinan and he says I can become an all-star with this stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, we don't, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, yeah. but I mean, he's a complete monster because he, you talk about trust. He completely trusts this stuff. It's right into his routine and he's a, just a complete animal. He's also got a tarot card reader. He's got his he, own whatever works. tarot card reader. Whatever, whatever works. works. I didn't yeah. know that. He does. And, you know, yeah, he's got his routine. And um, it's funny. We were talking yesterday. Uh, a batter will come up to the plate and, you know, like, it's a friend or something. And he's like, this isn't going to work. I can't go against him. So he'll just kind of, I think he looked at me funny. Or he just creates something to piss him, piss him off. And, uh, you know, because that's his routine to get pissed off. And he... I'm in his routine. He trusts the stuff. Uh, there's been times when he's been told to do things that my stuff would not tell him to do. He's trusted me. It's worked. It clearly works yeah. for him. Um, and uh, of course, then he goes, he goes from four, whatever, four DFAs to 50, whatever, 5 million or whatever. Right. And again, that these guys, if you were sitting in that dugout or the bullpen watching this stuff, you'd want to hear more about it too. hundred um, percent. Right. So it's a big snowball. It's still rolling. Um, you know, it'd be nice if they weren't locked out. It'd be probably have a lot more guys uh, going. But actually, um, hopefully, this lockout will push push some more some more over. At some point, at some point, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it will be more constricted to X number of pitchers. But but right now, right now, I can service them. So, cool. so some guys just pay for Matt. They just throw checks, send send me maps, and they talk to them three times a year. Wow. Um, I'm not saying I like that, by the way. Yeah. Um, a lot of people because, think that's great, easy money, but uh, that's not really what I want to do because you want to, you want to make your impact, right? Like you Absolutely. feel like it, you're, you're, you've said it, you're hands-on, you're individualized, right? That's, this isn't something that it's almost like going to physical therapy for two weeks and then, and then leaving, right? Like you're not going to get anything out of it right. that, that you would need, right? This is, this is a process. So what, what would you say generally, I mean, I'm sure it's different case by case, 
how long does it usually take to start seeing these results and start seeing the, the pitcher start to adapt? Uh, is that, is that a very case by case basis? The quicker they adapt, the quicker they see the results. Um, pitch to pitch, obviously not. Um, I had one guy, the very first pitch he threw with me was a home run. Uh, on a on a good on a good pitch on a good pitch too. Hey, and that'll like, happen. These hitters it, are pretty good, Michael. I mean, that's it, the challenge, right? These evil hitters are pretty darn mm, good too. Right. The big thing that my guys learn, I think, uh, if there's one thing, is how to separate luck from bad execution, bad planning, and don't go away from that good pitch that you just rolled snake eyes one time. But it happens a lot. It's human nature. You know, I just burn myself on this cup of coffee. Like you don't go back to the coffee because it's good coffee and it's a good mug. Like you just, I'm not drinking out of that mug. Again. Right. It's human nature. Yeah. Um, and that's been a big thing with a lot of guys. The quicker they trust it, the quicker they see the results. And then it's like, oh, I mean, it's almost like cheating at first because the teams know the patterns. Uh, the, the thing they're pretty good at is seeing pitch patterns of how guys have pitched. Um so if all of a sudden some guy's throwing backdoor sliders and he's dropping curveball, like this guy didn't even throw a curveball and he just threw me seven curveballs. And that's unsettling. And usually if the guy's executing <laughs> produces good results, the first game. Um, so it's, it's up to the, it's up to the pitcher. It's hard, kind of hard to half, half ass uh, the strategy and kind of pick and choose yeah. what, you know, but it can be done, but it produces chaotic results for sure. You've got guys with entirely different pitch mixes and, mm -hmm. and where they throw their pitches on here. I mean, I'm looking at Marcus Stroman and Logan Webb right here. And oh, those yeah. are two of the best ground ball pitchers in the game. Oof. Logan Webb, we think is like superstar caliber pitcher here. Yes. And then you've also got guys like Frankie Montas and Shane Boz who are 98 mm -hmm. at your face, try and meet it. How do you adapt to each of these guys? I mean, you could have Montas at 1130 and then you could have Logan Webb at mm -hmm. noon. And you got to talk about entirely different pitchers. Right. Right. Just like when I onboard them, I pop up their arsenal and I look at their pitch mix and I run uh, everything through my system that I've spent five years developing to, to show what's effective where. I usually pull ran, a random subset of batters. By the time I've worked with those guys for a while, I you know, know it from memory. But um, it's the same kind of thing going into each conversation. Uh, who are you? If it's the first one, who are you? How do you think? What do you need? And if it's the... 64th one it's what do you need today and we've already talked about you know montaza how much are you throwing the splitter to righties or whatever it is and and uh it's it's pretty seamless at this point but man i these guys i mean just every single one of these guys is so talented and it's so cool to i mean we're talking about the top of the pyramid here i mean you yeah. you might see someone and think they're a crappy uh, pitcher but it's like no no these guys are at the very top of the pyramid to, to even be anywhere near you've seen them play professionally and they all have something to bring to the table. And I haven't really found anybody that I thought, dude, sorry, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't help you. You don't have the weapons. Like they, they all do. I'm not saying to be all-stars, but to, you know, succeed and maintain their career. They, everybody has something just about. Well, I was actually going to reach out and, and see if you would check out my pitch mix and see if we could, <laughs> we can optimize it a little bit, but I, I think I might be the first person where you'll say, as soon as Sorry, I see 78 is not going to play. No, dude. As soon as I see you pitch on TV, give me, give me a call <laughs> and uh, we'll maintain the streak. <laughs> Sounds great. But building off of the, the advice that you give, I know something that's really big in baseball now. And that has become, it's funny because you see the evolution of the way, uh, 
prospects are perceived and the things that you look for in pitchers, players in general, it used to always be, you want the tall, long, lanky guy that gets a you know, high release point. Now right. you're seeing the, the Max Myers, the Jack lighters where you want the low vertical attack angle as something that really helps you to get that riding action on your fastball. Uh, obviously that's not for every single type of pitcher, but for those types of guys, that's something you want. Uh, right how much are you influencing vertical attack angle release points, stuff like that? Cause that's where you start to get into even a, a more, I wouldn't say complicated, but just a whole different beast over there where you're getting into mechanics and things like that, that teams probably aren't touching. Yeah. yeah I'm not, not much. Right. Some, some might be trying to, I know some don't get anywhere near that for sure. I, I'm definitely addressing that. We definitely look at um, guys come in with their fastball and I'll look at, certainly release points and go, Hey, it looks like you have potential. If you can fit it into your routine to get these results, this is what, this is what I would have told you if you had two more inches of rise on your fastball, for instance, yeah. um, it happened with Liam for sure. I mean, he had, I mean, the guy is amazing, but it's like, dude, if you can just go over here just a little bit, it's an injury risk. I mean, anytime you tell somebody who's done something potentially forever to do something different, it's an injury risk. And I don't want to be that guy either. Right. Um, but the benefits of a couple of inches are enormous. And uh, actually Liam had the, the least drop with gravity of any fastball in in the major leagues. Uh, it's something we watch all the time, but coming in to answer your question, uh, we do talk about hypotheticals of what if mm -hmm. you could get a little bit more on your slider or a little bit more rise on your fastball. Are you, you know, where are you comfortable using it? Some guys are like, I can put it in the top half of the zone whenever I want. Well, how, how about the top third or you know, what's your, when you missed, you missed down or up. We talk about that stuff all the time. So there's a lot of hypotheticals. Um, as far as it, the kids, uh, what's been interesting, I don't work with too many of them, Yeah. but what I do is I profile them and I show them what would happen if they took the mound in a, a big league game right now, Yeah. which is fascinating. Um, I just started working with uh, Wes Burton who's the psychopath that you see on Ninja sometimes. The guy's talking to himself. I think he was the psychopath of the year or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. a complete nut. Um, and he's whatever he is, 6'8". Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, massive vertical. And they tell him to throw fastballs all the time. What we're going to work on is like, what if, you know, what if you had to be a more advanced pitcher and you couldn't just, I mean, you can survive in your fastball right now, but don't you want to learn how to pitch? Uh, not trying to insult anybody, by the way. <laughs> But, but you don't have to throw a second or third pitch, but let's, why not be ready? So when you're in the minor leagues next year, maybe you're ready to go. I can pop up a map against, well, here's what uh, Vlad Jr. would uh, be doing against that right now. And he went eight for eight with yeah. eight home runs. <laughs> yeah. See that pitch. Yeah. We need to tighten that up a little bit. Um, instead of teaching them how to get guys with aluminum bats out or whatever, it's like, here's, here's, you know, let's, let's start to learn. And that's been fascinating. Um, the, the vertical, uh, approach angle is huge. Uh, what, what does the bat look, what does a bat swing look like yeah. from, from each side? And what are the pitch paths look like? That's in the core of my system. When um, did, when did Shane Boz take you on? Um, because that is a guy that he literally flipped the light switch in terms of command when he was in the minors. And then he comes up and he's maybe the most exciting pitcher in baseball right now because of oh, what yeah. he could possibly do. When did you kind of get involved with Shane Boss? Yeah, that was, um, what was he in the Arizona Fall League in 2019, was it, I think? Yeah. Uh, time is so distorted with COVID and all. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, it's, it's the la last two years are a, a blur. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but the, he, a friend of his contacted me 
when they were both in the Arizona Fall League, I started working with both of them and I did the exact same thing. I said, dude, I can't give you maps right now against these guys you're facing right now, but here's some against some big leaguers. And he was, you know, he was surprised that some of his stuff played there. Uh, he was plagued a little bit by com control command, but it's like, well, because you're nibbling with your stuff. And it's like, you sometimes you have to, I get it. Yeah. But sometimes you don't. And sometimes you just like, look, at some point you got to dance. And why wait until it's 3-1? and 2-0 to do that. You don't yeah. always have to do that. That guy's amazing. Um, you know, he's going to be around a long time. He's learning every day to trust his stuff more and more, and he's going to get better the, the more he does. It's so funny you say that because, you know, so the big thing that my big focus on uh, justbaseball.com, which is, you know, the, the website we have with this too, is, is the prospect side of things. So I okay. had a ball writing up Shane Boz because, you know, prior to his call up, I'm watching all of the video. I'm watching his starts. I'm like, this guy is, is phenomenal. He seemed mm -hmm. to quiet down his mechanics a lot too. And the stuff still played the same. So it was like, mm -hmm. okay, this is all making sense. It's all on the way to becoming, you know, what he can be. When I did the write up on his first start, it's, it, I, I can't believe you said that. One of the things that stood out to me the most was how comfortable he was attacking guys. Cause there was multiple starts. One start, he looked like he was nibbling a little bit. And then another start, he looked like he was attacking guys. Right. And, and I literally, I have to pull that up and send that to you after we record, because I'd love to hear what you think. But literally, that was what stood out to me is you can tell when a young pitcher is trusting his stuff versus when he isn't. And I thought it was pretty tangible when you could see it with Boz as he started to make his, you know, his second start and then a third start. And, and it really started to translate there. And you, you had a raised team that trusted him in the postseason. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it is really special to see. Is that one of the earliest clients you've taken on in terms of their development? How, how young do you typically go? That's about it. Um, like I say, West Burton is a, like, I think the first college kids that we've really shook hands on and say, let's officially work together. Yeah. I've helped some in passing. Uh, there's a couple other kids that I help, but that's about it. I mean, you start to get into high school and it's, I mean, there's, there's one off stuff. Uh, if they have track man info or maybe rap soda stuff like, well, okay. If you, if you're in college with that stuff right now, I'd tell you this, but um, mostly not mostly pro uh, upper pro. All right. Uh, Shane, Shane's probably the youngest uh, uh, before Burton. I'm going to throw you another young name because okay. the, the thought of his arsenal excites me. How good can Dylan Cease be? <laughs> <laughs> He, I'm so glad you brought him up. Now, there's a guess when he started using Codify. Now, um, yeah, right before the start of the last year. Yeah. And and granted, look, this guy's got all kinds of guys helping him, and and I'm definitely not the only one. Um, but there's a guy that's like, hold all I first first time I'm talking about, hold the mirror up and go, look how nasty you are. So nasty. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put this in your head, but you need to think about think about the batter. Okay, your stuff's hard to catch. Why are you nibbling? Why are you walking six guys every nine or whatever it was? Trust, trust, trust. He has these massive blue zones on his on his maps. And he's still working on that. He's still learning to trust. And, um, you know, I always hate to, there's guys like Giolito where, I mean, the, you know, sometimes the fan base is down on him. And like, how can you call him an ace? Like, because he's, because he's an ace kind of guy. I mean, just, right. You know, and when this guy puts up a low, th low threes or mid threes, it's some kind of failure or whatever. So I hate to say, like some have, it's like, watch out, this guy could win a Cy Young award. I hate to put that on anybody ahead of time, but uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I mean, he's not at his ceiling and uh, it's hard to tell, you know, it's hard to tell exactly where that guy's ceiling is. Yeah. So um, was one thing it, with, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. He's still learning his optimal mix too. Um, <laughs> That's the, the nastier stuff is the, you know, the harder it is day to day sometimes <laughs> to tell what works. Mm. so i might tell him the night before a game like hey do this or whatever but you wake up the next day and you're like mm, that curve is just not going where i want it to go and some you know on the fly they kind of have to dial it back so totally. other guys know it's every day it's like well you have three pitches let's just keep it under 40 on each one or whatever it is and th there's no drama because you can't get rid of one of your three pitches yeah something ahead. i noticed with cease uh this past season is is you know, the changeup was good in 19, not as good in 20. And then he phased it out a little bit this past mm -hmm. year, went to the curveball more, which has always been a good pitch for him, but not used as much. Was that something that, that you guys were, were kind of focusing on is, is incorporating that curveball a little bit more and, and maybe not using the changeup as much? Curve, curve more for sure. Um, the changeup is such a feel thing and, and a trust thing. And some guys just aren't there. Um, and you know, that the confidence is so big, you know, and he wasn't going out there necessarily um, confident in when he's confident with his change, he'll use it. But day to day is like, well, you know, I'm looking at my toolkit going, no, nah, I think I'll be all right with these five other or four other pitches that I trust. And that just wasn't in the routine. I want him to use the change up even 10%. But again, that's a hard pitch to throw 10% of the time. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there are challenges there for sure. So you've got a great relationship with the White Sox. Um, th there are a lot of people that use your stuff. And Ethan Katz, I think, is one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. Uh, it's it's on record that, that Liam said that he needed to still be able to use your services when he signed with the team. He, he made that clear. They're doing that, obviously. And you got a bunch of White Sox there. you got the catcher, Yasmani Grandal. And I do want to get into how um, your pitcher and catcher reports differ after this. But... Uh, Ethan Katz, like, how does he, if you guys have any communication, how does he tailor these guys and how do you tailor these guys? Well, I can't speak much for him. He did reach out early on after he was hired. Cause he's like, you know, what, what the hell is the, you know, outside source. And he's most polite guy. I, I think the world of him, he called, uh, just said, I, I need to talk to you. I just need to understand where you come up with this, where you use it. I see your work with some guys and had success. And they're going to use it, but, um, he, you know, he, it was 20 minutes or whatever. He vetted me and he's like, okay, I like everything I hear where yeah. I came on to get guys out and prevent runs. And that sure as hell sounds like this is going to help do it. Um, but we don't work directly together past that. Um, gotcha. but Giolito's, I mean, kind of indirectly Giolito is obviously practically his best friend. And, um, we talk about, about him and what he said a lot and uh, there's nothing, in my mind, it's, it's great to see him there. And that's awesome. You know, yeah. That's rare. Honestly, you, the way, the way, you know, just general coaches and baseball are, it's a territorial <laughs> thing. So oh, it, yes. it is good to hear that, that, and I'm sure you've come across that through, through separate occasions, but it's good to see, you know, with, with the white Sox that you have somewhat of a, of a seamless, uh, you know, transition there with, with the two sides. Yeah. There's been, uh, believe it or not, I know how many, there's been six major league uh, pitching coaches that have reached out uh, and ended up smiling and nodding at the very least. Cool. Uh, there's been teams that have had meetings trying to ban, you know, use of Codify. Like, let's have a meeting. What's this meeting about? Don't use Codify. You're not allowed to. Like, 
Well, here's the thing. You're hurting uh, yourself. Th- you're hurting yourself. You're hurting me. You know, this is a team that's going to sit across the table from you this off season when you're in arbitration. You're like, no, you I don't. Suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wait a second. So <laughs> I played along with you. I threw it where you told me to throw it. I gave up a home run. And now you tell me I suck and you're going to pay me less. Like something's wrong here. So um, the teams have been generally uh, today. Okay. But it wasn't that way. And there are still some teams that are pretty hardcore against it, but, but now I'm bringing on, I have guys on all, all, all 30 now. Um, and you know, I mean, like you said, it's free. These are free outs. I mean, yeah. I, if I was look at, Dan Straley, that first one, I get it, man. I, if I worked for the teams, I would have been like, no, no, you're not working with anybody outside. Who the hell is this guy? You're right. I totally get it. But Codify's vetted now, right? Yeah, 100%. You know? I, I want to ask about the catchers because I see Jason Castro on here. I see Max Stassi mm-hmm. on here. And then I see one of the best pitch callers in baseball, yes, Mighty Grandal on here. Um, how does your catcher debrief with those guys differ from the pitcher conversation? Oh, it's insane. I mean, here's, here's Grandal. He, he uses me off and on. Uh, it's a lot of work, but he has a lot of work to do. Here's the series is starting. I might catch any one of 12 or 13 guys or whatever it is. Right. How the hell do I do that? Well, I don't even know when they're going to pitch or who they're going to face. And, oh yeah, I have to bat too. Yeah. Um, so he, his stuff is incredible because all when he's able and will, you know, willing to engage is it's a lot. He'll get maps for all the pitchers wow. and him, his batting maps against all the opposing pitchers. It's just an enormous amount of stuff. And that's weird as a batter. Cause I don't know where the hell the pitcher's going to throw. I know where they have. Right. But I'm like, dude, you might think this is a good spot for you as a batter, but this is a blue spot because you're rolling over and you may think, wow, I really got that one. It's hard. It's tough for a batter. Cause when they smack a 95 mile an hour ground ball feels good. You know, it doesn't feel good to run back to the dugout, but you're like, I got that, you know, I almost just a little bit more. And it's, no, you didn't, you're not, that's not a good place to swing. And you see that, I mean, you know, again, I'm not going to take much credit if any, but he learned which even more so which pitches to swing at it, which not to, and what was 420 on base percentage? Yeah. I, he had, I mean, and uh, what was the other stat? It was like more homers per swing than anyone or something like yeah. that. Uh just bananas. So um, with a catcher, it's a whole nother thing. Uh, Castro and Stassi uh, used it uh, 20, let's see, it was 2020, the first of the two months we had used it with the angels and they got, they got maps for all the angels starters and uh, they did really well. And then Castro ended up what on the Padres and uh, Stassi's like, wait, do I have to pay for these myself now? (laughs) Well, (laughs) and poor kid is on the minimum and all that. So um, so Castro still got him for the Padres, but poor angels didn't get him. Same kind of thing. Um, that was a little less chaotic. It was just for their starters. Um, but Grandall is like for everything. And he'd get this, like, you can see these maps from space. Like, here's every pitch that every pitcher throws that you might catch or might bat against. So Holy a lot, smokes. but, but what does the catcher have to do? Whether they have my Intel or anyone's, that's a lot of work. And how, how much did they really do versus just using team stuff? Right. Which, which might be a better way to go. I mean, if you can't do your homework, then I mean, yep. what do you, what do you do? There's only the, 24 hours in the day. Right. Right. The, the pitch calling <laughs> dynamic is fascinating to me. Cause like, imagine you're a pitcher and you're like, okay, I've, I work with Codify. So I have this influence. I have my own influence. The catchers tell me to do something. 
the R&D guys have sent me information saying to do something else. Maybe, maybe even the front office has given pressure because the front office does directly influence pitch mix yeah. uh, in, through other avenues. And like, there's a lot of chaos there. And like, who, who determined which pitch was actually thrown? Right. It's hard to tell on TV, yeah. but you don't see him calling pitches from the dugout much these days, right? Because of the, all the sign stealing. Uh, yeah. so, what en- so what ends up happening? It's, fa- it's fascinating to me. Yeah. In the old days, uh, like Sosha would be like, call, you know, he'd call every pitch and you sure as hell better throw it or you're not going to be pitching for me. So right. you knew that you knew who was calling the pitches there. But here, like who, who called that pitch? Exactly. So somebody that we had on the show recently uh, that <clears throat> another guy that just is so exciting if he if he can put it all together. And I, I'm extremely high on him, but I'm a little bit biased having known him a little bit since uh, my days playing in Florida. But Jesus Lazardo. Uh, mm-hmm. super talented kid, super, super nice dude too. And uh, fortunate enough to, to know him, but he is one of those guys that you're just waiting and this, you know, that once it clicks, yeah, don't, it, it, don't it's worry. Gonna be over. What? Sorry. Don't, don't worry. As long as he stays healthy, it'll happen. Exactly. Um, so I want to hear your, your thoughts on him because I mean, the stuff is, you can't say enough. About <laughs> yeah. He's a maniac. Uh, his stuff is just so nasty. Like we were looking at his breaking balls and I'm like, so how many breaking balls do you think you have? Because when I look at different clumps of velocity and movement, it's like, I, you're just kind of feeling it out out there sometimes, right? Right. And that's fine. Uh, I like it from one aspect, from, but from a game planning perspective, when I say throw more, what do we even call that thing that you just threw? I don't even, it's breaking ball 78. So we need to, you know, we need a language. We need to put names on this. And at one we, point- We asked him what it was too. We're like, what is that thing? <laughs> right, right. And I don't care. He can call it whatever he wants, but but like we have to put names on types of pitches or, or not, or not. Um, but the thing is with him is his different types of, of breaking balls have wildly different results against different bats. So even though it's a pain in the ass to put names on him, we benefit from doing it. So uh, he's amazing. I mean- I think the world of that guy, uh, it sounds like you do too. Um, really, I just, it's going to, I mean, I the, the, hurt to, as an A's fan for life to see him leave, but I'm, we're, I'm used to it watching the A's dismantle. So it's just a matter of where these guys go and all that stuff. But he, I mean, he's, he's amazing. Um, his stuff is amazing and uh, just, just trusting it again. Just trusting it. A lot of guys tend to see it as a as a confrontation with the hitter, and other guys have succeeded by starting to see, man, if I plan and just execute, I mean, I mean, I'm my biggest opponent, not the batter. Uh, it's it's a weird dynamic because it's not like that growing up. It's like you're you're going to shove against the hitter, and the hitters, you're like, yeah, is it really that that way? There there are hitters. Um, who is it? Acuna Jr. Uh, I want to say. 19 it might have been 20 but like outer third if you go look like if anybody threw it in the outter third, it was a strike. Oh, no it was a strike oh, oh, before before, before he evolved oh because oh, he oh, was standing before. on the plate yeah. yeah right yeah yeah outer third like he wouldn't by the end of the year he wasn't even swinging he's like i can make my money in the in, by defending these two thirds of the zone and i have to change my swing too much to go defend that outer third mm-hmm. at the time and now you know before he got hurt, uh, he learned to start hitting that without being at the expense of protecting. But other guys, no. I mean, they're like, dude, I'm going to get paid. I can hit 35 home runs. And if you want to put it in this top left part of the zone, 
tip the cap, go back to the dugout. No yep. one seems to give a damn if I strike out 170 times anymore. Yeah. Nobody it's, but it's crazy. It is. Um, but this, the Intel can help find that. And if you have a pitcher is like, yeah, I can hit the top left quarter of the zone with this pitch, like, well, all day. Up, up and in, if you can throw an up and in fastball with some of these guys with their swing, all day, just all day. You're, you're watching pitching all the time. You're, you're mm-hmm. looking at diagrams all the time. People you work with or not, if you had to give me a short list of guys that you think just have the grossest stuff in Major League Baseball right now, and, oh, and you think the world is their oyster, <clears throat> who are these guys? <laughs> you can't watch Trinan and not think it. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't, I mean, whatever arguments we have are about like throw more four seamers and no one will ever hit you. Um, It's hard. It's hard to top a guy like that. It's funny because a lot of people say DeGrom, but when you watch, it's like, is that the word? Is that the right word? I mean, the guy's only using half the plate, right? Or half the, you know, it's either that side or off the zone, that side, 80% of his pitches are to that side. Um, but it's like two pitches. How, what percentage of the time? It's just elite and elite. Um, it, if you watch McCullers, yeah, it's, he's probably up there. And, and you already said Cease. I mean, just those guys, when, the guys that throw the wiffle balls, you know, we can't really appreciate something like a Giolito changeup with the camera angle. There's no way to appreciate it. Right. So, you, you know, so you, no one's going to think that's nasty watching it. If you don't know, it's coming in nine feet behind his fastball or whatever it is. Um, so it's the horizontal stuff that's sexy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so McCullers trying in, I mean, try trying in, I thought I would have said before, and then the guy goes and fixes his slider grip. And now it's got four times the horizontal dude. I, I big argument we had in the beginning. Cause I mean, the sinker was bananas, but lefties were hit. We're plunking it out to left field and he was getting aggravated. I'm like, well, that's where the bat is. Right. Yeah. Um, he had kind of a gyro slider that would only break the stats would say two or three inches. Okay. But where's he letting go of it? Three feet over off to the, to the right of center from behind him. And he's throwing it in on lefties. It looks like it's breaking like crazy. It's just a rock. He's throwing a rock, but against his other pitches, it's, it lines up well, it tunnels well with everything. And now he throws one that sometimes breaks 15, 16 inches it's not fair no i mean imagine imagine having his stuff just stand on the mound close your eyes and imagine like i can throw like blake trinan uh i mean it's it's surprising if he mixes well and locates i mean easier said than done but it's just like no who's gonna hit this guy and when you hit him like that's what we said in oakland and when he gave up seven earned runs that entire year yeah (laughs) dude Guys have to get three hits off you to score the way they're making contact. Everything's on the ground. So stop walking, guys. Trust your stuff. They're the ones that should be antsy and just, you know, uncomfortable, not you. And, um, you know, you got some mound presence and trust there. On the flip side, who's one name, uh, you know, and I'm sure you could, there's a bunch of guys you're super excited about, but maybe one under the radar name that, you're working with that you can talk about that you think's really going to just take that big step next year. Oh boy. Hmm. Let me like putting you on the spot here, obviously. (laughs) Well, I have to get my answer and then see if I can uh, trust saying it. Yeah. 
let me look at a little let me look at a little list here we'll buy you we'll buy you a little bit of time there because well there's there's just i'm sure there's so many guys that you're really excited about that you had this like oh if this guy does this it's gonna it's gonna be different um and, and i'm sure that's what makes you so excited for the season coming up but i always i always like to ask those kinds of things of breakouts and stuff like that. Cause that's something we're always talking about is trying to identify, you know, who's going to break out next year and who better to be able to identify those candidates than you, who's literally helping them break out. Uh, right. So it takes a tangible adjustment to break out 99% of the time. And that's what you're helping them achieve. So you got someone uh, queued up. I had to say breakout. Cause this doesn't, this isn't what you want to hear, but I mean, I watched Stroman. Okay. I know this isn't, even close to what you expected. Okay. And it's probably not a fair answer, but because of course he already broke out because the guy's got a $50 million contract or whatever. Um, but his ceiling is not, he's not where his, his ceiling is right now. Um, no, I think that's a good one. I think there's a ton of opportunity for him to mix differently. The tools he brings to the mound are just insane. Nothing, you, you may not look at any one pitch and think, think it's a lead. I think a lot of his sinker, it's a true sinker, all that. It's great pitch. Um, but go look at every one of his pitch types, and he's learning more and more about how to mix them all. What do you do against Stroman? Um, I'm really curious, and I hope I can interact. I don't know if I will with the, some of the Cubs catching staff to, to try to do what I can to, to chip in on the, on the pitch mix. But I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you sub three, if he mixes well, um, he's been, I mean, he's been right there anyway, but you know, mid, mid twos. I mean, he's, he's really good. Um, and just not, he's just not every time I watch him, I, and it's hard to remove the bias sometimes, you know, but go, go look at all his pitches. And it's like, what, what would you do as against, against him? Well, if he's not clear. thrown anything. Right, and it's clear how finely tuned to mind he is, too. Say, right? He's so like, adaptable. He's like a he's, chameleon. He'll come at you so many different ways. Yeah. He will. He's got – I know there were different ways catchers caught him in New York, and um, that was definitely on his mind. Nothing – I wouldn't say anything negative, but catchers catch you differently. And even if you can coerce them to mix the way you want, which is far from easy, they're framing differently. And so, you know – that sinker is a strike a lot more with this guy catching. This guy is dragging the damn thing out of the zone. So, so your optimal mix is actually different. Like we wake up in the morning, like, I don't even know who your catcher is. So how am I going to tell you how much you, you should throw that sinker today when I know there's that big difference there? So there's so much going on. Um, yeah. I, I'm actually excited about this kid, Wes Burton. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't help a lot of them. He, I saw him on Pitching Ninja. Uh, he pinged me and he said something like, I should use Kofi, ha, ha, ha. And, you know, and I, I said, well, I've had my rabies shots and maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe it's safe to work with you. But I, he, he sent me some information I'm like, oh boy. I mean, so where do you think you're going to go in the draft? You know, he's like, well, I want to go in the top two, two rounds. I mean, I don't know right now. They only pitched me whatever it was, at la- right. not much last, last year. I'm like, why not? Um, his, he was throwing some fastballs just this off season that were rising two feet. It's like, uh, so let me get this right. You're six, eight, you're releasing like almost completely overhead and you're throwing a fastball with like pretty much elite rise. Yeah. If you learn two other pitches that you can show, 
Right. I mean, I just mean, a, just make them average by the time you get up there, and you know how and when to use them, which he's which he's doing and doing well with. Like, who knows where that kid's ceiling is? So, right. Um, I don't. I, I certainly don't work with Jack Leiter, and that wouldn't be sneaking up on anybody. But a guy like that too. It's like uh, when we were watching him, and you know, you get guys out in college a certain way, right? Yeah. That's not how you would get big leaguers out, and. I don't know where his ceiling is either. I mean, he's, he's nuts too. So nuts. Yeah. I, uh, I had the privilege of, of seeing Kevin cops. Cause I was in, I was with the Padres high A affiliate this past year. And like, you know, kind of same thing with Burton, oh. like cops, you see that one pitch. It's right. like, if you had a second right now, you're a big league setup guy this year. Right. Like that's the type of thing that some of these younger guys, like college age guys can do in 2021 now. Yes. Uh, Liam Hendricks has made it tough on me because uh, before I had him, you know, I'd preach a little bit about don't throw your fastball so much. It's usually roping guys back and like you throw your fastball 70, 75%. Guys can comfortably guess fastball and that's a problem. Um, uh, but Liam Hendricks, he should throw his fastball 70% of the time. <laughs> and uh, he was on with Ninja and I, I was watching the, the watching it air and he was saying, when I get a swinging strike with a fastball on a guy and the bat's not over, he's going to get another fastball next pitch. And I'm like, huh. Oh shit. Oh shit. Don't ever say that out loud. Like, right. what are you doing? <laughs> and that's probably really stupid. Right. Cause generally that's stupid. I mean that you should never do that. Right. But I better go look and see. I looked the last hundred times in and at bat before it was over, he got a whiff with a fastball. 99 of those hundred times he threw a fastball the next pitch. And gave up one scratchy 70 mile an hour single it's like okay yeah if you're liam keep doing it the answer is not the same for all these guys and right. even though it's often similar for some rope get down so guys can't guess your next pitch or even want to guess your next pitch yeah uh, with liam yeah just yeah i i think liam could give them the old one of these and 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 fire it in there and it wouldn't mm -hmm. even matter it wouldn't even matter. I, so one more specific question, just because I'm always fascinated by by the way the environment affects pitchers here. I see you have Antonio Sensatella mm -hmm. and Colorado Rockies guy. This is probably a different beast for you, right? Because uh, this is something that I think is still a very fluid situation where you're trying to figure out the best pitch mix to work at altitude. And, right. and if I'm not, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not totally positive on this, but as far as I, I know, it's horizontal movement is not as affected. Vertical movement is more affected by the altitude, right? So how do you attack that for an area where you're literally playing on like the moon? Right. Um, my system is trying to guess how they'll pitch the next game. So in his case, it would look and go, you're at cores, you're breaking stuff. Isn't going to break as much, you know, um, what does that mean? And he's a he's a wild success story that you're just never going to really talk about because like the guy it's like he's invisible sometimes like who talks about Sensatella and then you go here like they just signed him for what 550 yep. like who is this guy um he he's amazing he can adapt to each spot if you go look at his cores numbers they're good some guys try to make their ball do more at cores and it's like yeah that's not how that works right um he knows where, when he's at cores, uh, how, how the location varies. And he's been really good at adapting to that. Um, that's half the time I had, I worked with Daniel Bard as well for, uh, for a time. Yeah. He's, he's often on too, cause he's another guy. Um, definitely the, the Rockies aren't totally thrilled with 
guys working with their with their pitchers. Yeah. Um, but that's a big that's a big thing of uh, guys going from that altitude down to down to sea level. Uh, it goes the other way too. I mean, some of these West Coast parks that nobody really talks about, like this th- this park is at sea level, man. Yeah. And uh, it's a night game, and the marine layer just came in. I don't know if you've ever been out west, any of those parks, uh, Petco or, or uh, up in Seattle or something where that like you can see it and like, okay. Seattle, yeah. Okay, guess what? You can give up fly balls now because right. they're not going to go out. And it's a real thing, uh, depending on the launch angle. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it, it, it's, inter- it's an interesting animal. And of course, gets in guys' head. Uh, it's actually a big advantage to live there and work there and know whatever it is, you got to chew gum more and all the little tricks that they have that these poor guys that come in here, the, the bigger challenge for me is the guys that come in once a year. Yeah. And like, you know, okay, you're going to get a start here. here. Here's how this works for guys that live there. Let's it's nice to be able to point to Sensatella and go, he, you know, he doesn't pitch exactly like you, but he's got a couple pitches like you and he benefits from, from doing this. You probably should do the same. Yeah. So one more for me, Michael, you know, I think if any, um, if any minor league, you know, say big league or, or college arm is listening to this, I, I think they understand why your stuff is useful. If you have advice to maybe the high school arms that are listening to this podcast right now, if you could give them one piece of advice moving forward in the baseball ranks, if they have dreams of this lofty major league career as a pitcher, what do you think youth baseball, high school baseball should be doing sooner that they haven't done traditionally? That's a good question. I only uh, really deal with one-off guys. I'm not going to watch high school games anymore, no time. Yeah. Um, but when I talk to those guys, it's, it's like I said, it's um, if you have aspirations to continue rather than just be a hero in high school or a hero in college and go off and do your thing, you need to learn how your stuff plays. Uh, at a higher level now, whether you need it or not. Uh, and that's been the focus. Uh, actually, uh, friendly with the mustard guys, Tom House, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Rocky Collis, and they are, th- their tool is amazing. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but you can pop your camera up, take video of a kid pitching, throwing a couple pitches, it draws the skeleton in and says, hey, your head's off, you gotta do this faster or whatever. That's been that's been pretty wild. I, I I know that the data just wasn't available for these lower levels. Now it's becoming available, right. um, and I've gotten a lot of I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of pings from those lower levels of what do you have high school and and uh, even lower level maps, yeah. you know. And some of these parents are like, I'll pay. Just tell me how much you want, you know, because oh they want their kid to go. They want the brass ring, and it's like, oh boy, you know travel ball moms yep even yeah sadly even younger ages you know i mean like hey my oh, seven-year-olds you know can you help them with this curveball and this and that? i'm like uh no mm. i'm not gonna be a uh, part of that yeah so uh, i would say part of it's just enjoying the game right and just having <laughs> fun like because it, it, it turns into a job right and like th- this is how you, your business was created through right helping these guys be the best at their job so that they can make a, a wage that would support their family right but like if the thing is you don't, you don't want, you want to enjoy baseball as long as you can before you get there. Right. Like you want to enjoy just going on the mound and throwing fastballs by guys and having fun until you have to start really, 
you know, focusing on, on each little thing to, to try to make as much money as you can. I mean, it's crazy to see that the little league uh, effect that we're seeing now in travel ball and, and it's starting too young. I think I told, see, I totally agree with that. And then there's this little voice in me saying, you know, there are kids that quit this game because it's not fun enough and what's fun kind of winning and doing well. And some kids get frustrated because they didn't make that one little tweak and do well enough to either not quit or not get cut. So I totally agree with what you said. I totally feel the way you feel, but there's also that little voice of saying, well, maybe this, maybe a little bit of the right thing, the right way keeps a lot of kids in the game and not running off to some other sport. So it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic there. Arm, you got anything else? Oh man, I, I had a blast. I'm, I'm, think i got all my questions out but uh okay, good. i could probably come up with a bunch more uh then i'm gonna end up shooting you a message but okay. you answered all of these so amazing and it's so fascinating and uh congratulations on everything you've built thank it. you i appreciate it the story it. is is incredible uh and and i mean to to be where you are is it's got to be it's got to be one of those things where you look back and you're like how did every, i get up here every morning the first <laughs> thought I, I i know i'm good at what i do but i've been extremely fortunate to just go down this road and and be here it's insane man yeah michael fisher at codify this is this is awesome and uh just baseball will uh of course be codify truthers and all that and uh (laughs) hopefully we can have you on again very soon thank you that sounds like a good t-shirt yeah i mean that was the easiest hour we could have possibly done it went so quick man and it's just it's wild how many things he has to take into consideration uh, for every pitcher. I mean, it's different for when we're talking about altitude versus humidity versus certain pitchers with certain stuff. And it's just so incredible how individual it is because we talk about it. It is really cookie cut by team. And this is just a niche that he found and it's absolutely brilliant. And man, was he informative and was that just a blast? Yeah. Codify is active on Twitter and Instagram. That's actually where they make the connections with players. That's where me and Michael Fisher made the connection actually in the Twitter DMs. We, we hopped into the DMs. It, it was a great conversation. We look forward to, you know, talking through some stuff with Codify again and hopefully having him back on the podcast again. I mean, that was, that was so much fun. You're right. I think once we actually have baseball to talk about, um, I, this guy is going to be in hog heaven, I'm sure. So uh, best way to find him is by going to codifybaseball.com. You've got Twitter and Instagram links at the bottom. And that's that. Uh, Major League Baseball and the union meet again today. How's that going to go? I mean, the union's supposed to give their offer now, right? So uh, their offer is probably their proposal is going to be one that MLB owners then of course will turn down. It's crazy. Like we already know how it's going to go. Both sides know how it's going to go when they get together. Right. Yeah. Owners know that they're about to nix this. The players know that the offer that they're going to put together, the proposal is going to get nixed. So I guess it's just how far apart is it? That's what we'll find out. I think very. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So like, what's the point? What's the point of putting an offer out there that, you know, nobody like they're not even going to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's just, it's so frustrating. And like, I don't actually want to waste a lot of mental space on it because I know it's just going to go poorly today. Yeah. I mean, we, we know it will. And then it, the, you're going to get the, the 
the passing tweet that's just, uh, yeah, this was the proposal. Owners scoffed. They left. We'll run it back in, in a week. And it's just like, can we skip this step? Like, can we get to the point where, where both sides are actually trying to meet in the middle at some right. point? Like, what are, we, what are we wasting time here doing? I, Again, I just don't this understand. could be an email. It could always be an email. Yeah, uh, e- email this email this shitty proposal so yeah. that you can you can expedite this process. It's like, let's get together. Let's move heaven and earth just so that I can give you a horrible proposal that you're not going to take. What a mess. All right. Anything else for today? Nothing. Nothing. Can't really predict the future. Uh, so who knows what will be happening by actual Monday. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We shall see. Thank you, everyone.